Now, I don't brag often, but I think we're going to win the best gift given this season <laughs> because today we're joined by one of the most influential coaches in our game and one of the best humans we've been so fortunate to meet. Coach Kendrea is about to share some absolute golden nuggets of advice that will make you a better coach. Someone who gets more out of their players, makes an impact beyond the field, and appreciates how special this job is. So when this episode leaves you feeling inspired and excited to level up as a coach, you'll want to listen in all the way through to the end to learn about an opportunity to join our academy in January. All right, enough for me. You ready now? Let's jump in. Get your head in the game, coach. You're about to get your audio dose of softball inspiration. I'm Melanie Rushing. And I'm Alicia Smith. And we help softball teams win more games and have more fun. Right now, you're joining thousands of passionate coaches across the nation who are dragging the field, prepping for the day, or driving to that other job while they learn and grow as a coach. So if you're ready to learn how to build a strong team culture, get your players to believe, and make a real difference in their lives, you're in the right place. This is the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to today's episode. I know everyone is excited after hearing the intro that I just recorded. So I cannot wait to jump in with today's guest, who is the reason for the most enjoyable ride through a snowstorm I've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) Please welcome the one and only Mike Kendrea. Welcome, Coach. Thank you. Hi, Coach. Thank you. I I, uh, often tell that story about how I was driving arguably the most important person in softball in my car during a winter storm in January. Yeah, well, I have a picture of of that, and I, I show people, and I, I go, I'm not sure they could see, you know, the road. <laughs> anyway, for some reason, I felt comfortable. So. Well, that makes me very happy, because inside, I was dying, but I tried to keep calm and cool on the outside, so, but thank you for, for humoring us, but uh, we appreciated uh, spending that time with you when you came to our clinic in Michigan, but thank you, you again for your time today, and we just wanted to um, chat with with you, and because again, you're probably one of the most influential uh, people in our sport. So uh, thank you for your time today. Definitely. But we wanted to just kind of kick off uh, today the a first question about your culture at Arizona. It's not it's not a one thing, right? That you built, right? It was over time. But how did you start building a culture that was so sustainable there for so long? Well, I, I think the when, when people think of a culture, they think of, um, you know, plastering slogans in their locker rooms and making t-shirts and, you know, talk about the term culture, but truly culture is, is really comes from within. It's the type of players that you recruit and how they go about their business and how they treat one another each and every day. So, you know, I think, Early in my career, I used to think that I could influence that. Um, you know, this is Mike Candrea's culture that I want. Um, but as I got a little more mature, I realized that it was really developed from the inside out. And for it to be effective, it has to be from the inside out. It's got to be the players that are the ones that um, set the standards, um, that hold each other accountable, you know, um, that really... Uh, you know, it's a commitment to live a lifestyle a certain way, you know, in our sport. It's it's not, you know, every other day, but it's every day doing the right things, making the right choices, um, making other people better, um, 
you know, learning that the 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 hole's bigger than the, the the parts, and so you you have to become a good teammate. And at the end of the day, um, I really thought it was uh, really important for us to um, have each one of our kids kind of understand where they fit um, in our culture. You know, um, I think when I first started coaching, most kids were task oriented, and therefore you you give them something to do, and they're going to do it, and they're going to try to make you proud doing it, you know, but as, as the last 10 years or so, I, I realized that the, the generation had changed and, and they're very pleasure oriented. So they, they have to be able to have some fun too. And it, it can't be all about task and business, but it's got to be about relationships that are built, um, you know, taking care of one another, having each other's back, enjoying the small victories. I think that was one of the big things that, you know, in the early days, we just kind of blew through the victories because it was expected. Um, but this generation here really likes to enjoy the small victories. So you have to celebrate. And so every day was a celebration and hopefully your culture kind of um, exemplifies what, you know, what your team is like each and every day. Yeah, so good. Okay, I can go take it a million ways. I'm going to start with the, the latest thing that popped into my head. Uh, so, celebrating the victories when we were trained, <laughs> like you said, like, yeah, that's just a everyday thing I should be able to do. Uh, how did you as a coach make that transition? What were some things that you learned uh, how to do to pull that out of your girls? Because I've also noticed that they're also bad at noticing the little things. What were some of the things you did to make every day a victory? Well, you know, I think some of it's life lessons that um, you go through and you learn. And, and I always go back to uh, losing one of our players um, to diabetes, you know, perfectly healthy one moment um, and played in a championship game in May and was gone in June. And I think that really made everyone realize how special just the experience is, you know, when you walk out on the field, being around one another and enjoying one another, and you never know when that person's not going to be there, or you never know with COVID that this could be taken away very quickly. And so it, it's kind of a, a real thing that you kind of look at and go, man, you know, we, we need to celebrate. We need to realize that number one, defining your success can't be on championships alone. You know, I mean, that was one of the biggest things that I had to go through is, you know, early in my career, I kind of defined myself as a coach on whether I won a championship or not. And then I realized, you know, Mike, that's, you know, that's going to be very short lived and you've got to realize it's not easy. Number one, to even play for a championship, but number two, to win it. And so you had to kind of redefine what's going to make you know, what, what is going to be my defi definition of success? And it really became um, life lessons. It's be it became coaching the person before I coach the athlete. And if I can make the person better, um, then I think kind of understanding all of these things that we're talking about makes it a little bit easier because, um, I mean, I beat myself up at times when I didn't win, you know, and it was like, every loss would take chunks out of my body, but victories, I'd kind of blow through them and I was on to the next one, you know, and I just think right now, um, 
with these life lessons, these kids realize that, you know, every day is special and this game's special and you're not going to be playing it the rest of your life. And, and for me, you know, I had to redefine success. Success to me was, was uh, preparing them for life after softball. And once I started realizing that and spent more time on the person and making them better people, then the game kind of took care of itself. Were you able to see that shift in your your kids as well when you were coaching them? Because in the beginning, you said your kids were very task-oriented. And so were they seeing that shift as you were seeing that shift by celebrating the small things, but also maybe focusing more on the process and the outcome? Yeah, I think um, it, it was most definite you could see it. I mean, um, you can't even compare, you know, like I, I go back to the 80s and the early 90s and and the game itself and, and what we had to offer kids was very basic. It was an opportunity to play softball and get an education. You know, today um, we offer them so many resources to make them better people and prepare them for life after softball. And so I think once they understand that we, that they have all these resources that they can utilize and, and, and if they do it, they're going to set them up for life, you know, forever. And to me, that's bigger than the game. I mean, the game comes and goes. I, I sat around the other day and I'm going, God, I got all these bags of rings, you know, that, you know, <laughs> I throw them on the ground and kind of look at them. And this is kind of the culmination of your, you know, of your career. And at the end of the day, what do they represent, you know? And um, to me, each one of them represent maybe a story or, or, or a person, a player or a team, you know? And so again, back to the celebration, that's really what these things are, are all about. It's not about defining me, you know, I, I've gone way beyond that right now as a retiree, you know, you're looking at, at, at other things in life, but um, to be able to look back and celebrate your career, that was kind of shocking for me because, you know, number one, I didn't realize how quickly the career goes by. Um, to me, that was um, something I had to really deal with is, man, this is going quickly. And, and I remember when my parents turned 40, I thought they were old. And I'm sitting here at 67 years old going, you know, I'm still young, you know. And so it 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 really made me think a little bit about how quickly it goes. And um I think I, I shared with you guys when I was back there about the tape measure, you know, and, and, um, you know, I kind of looked at that and go, that's what I got left. You know, it's crazy. And you don't have to look very far. I mean, today you pick up the news and Mike Leach, you know, from Mississippi state passes away at 61 years old to massive heart attack. And God, it was just three months ago, he was here at Arizona playing, you know, his team. And so you, you just, you have to, count your blessings. And, and the other thing is you have to, you have to live every day, like it's your last. And, and I've always said that, but it's true. You know, we have so much to be thankful for, but sometimes we have to wake up and really appreciate what we have and um, not worry so much. The game is, the game is something we've all chosen to do. And it's, you know, it, it's in our blood and we, we, we love competing and we love being part of a team and we love the process you know, but at the end of the day, there's got to be more to it because, um, you know, softball comes to an end. I mean, it, it's kind of come to an end for me. You know, it's like I, I kind of three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going, man, I should be at the, at the softball field and practice, you know, but 
Now all of a sudden I have this day that I've never had my entire life, this whole afternoon. And going, you know what, well, this is kind of cool, but on the other hand, I wouldn't trade what I've done over the last 47 years either. I love it. Yeah, you've earned it. <laughs> uh, so how, now that you have this perspective, how mm -hmm. would you advise other coaches to keep that perspective, especially when we get stuck in the weeds in the middle of season and all the things and all the people trying to get our attention and need our time and help? What helped you and what do you find helps other coaches? Well, I think the first thing is understanding the word balance. Um, you know, I think as a young coach, I worked hard but I didn't work smart. You know, I spent a lot of time, you know, I always say it's kind of like having this big jug, okay? And you've got these little pebbles that are all the little things that you do every day. And then you've got four or five of these pretty big boulders that are pretty important. And the, when I was young, it seemed like I was always filling up my jar with the little pebbles first, you know, and then I didn't have any room for the big things. And um, as I got older, I realized, you know what, you got to you got to take care of the big things first and then you fill it, you know, fill the rest with the little pebbles. And I think that's kind of a big part of it is just learning how to work smarter. And and I would say be where your feet are. You know, that's the one thing I had to learn is, um, you know, when I was at work, I was at work and, and I put all my effort to work. But when I was at home, I had to enjoy that part of it because for many years I didn't, you know, I would I commuted. 72 miles one way and I was on the road for two hours a day by the time I got home it was time to eat dinner and go to bed and get up and do it again you think about it that's not really a good life you know and um, so I think balance um, for coaches realizing that number one um, you have to prioritize what's important don't make don't make what's unimportant important <laughs> right and I think sometimes we do that in life. We make things that are so unimportant, very important, and we don't have time to to tackle the things that are really important. And and for me, it was learning a little bit of balance with um, enjoying my family when I was with my family, you know. But but I think life kind of throws you curveballs along the way, and you you you, you kind of get tested, and you learn things. And it's not something that you can read in a book or you can tell people about it's it's what you go through you know and when you start losing loved ones and and um and you realize that maybe you were a really good coach but not a really good dad it hurts you know it really does and so i try to influence people to 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 make sure that you understand the game will always be there work will always be there but take care of the things that's so important to you in life. And that's your family, your friends, you know, and, and for me, my, my, my faith is very important. It's a big part of, of, of me feeling good about um, who I am and, and what I represent. And, and it, it answers a lot of the questions about why me, which happens in life, you know, why did this happen to me? And, you know, I, you got to put your hands in the good Lord and, and know that, you know, things happen for a reason and, and you, you just have to continue to have that strength believing, you know, and I think that's something that, that this generation is kind of getting away from. I mean, and I understand it's 
it's a crazy world out there. And, um, and I thank my mom for, you know, grabbing my ear and bringing me to catechism class every Saturday and, and made that a big part of my life, you know, where you, I kind of gave my kids the option, you know, um, you know, dad, uh, you know, we don't really enjoy going to mass, you know, we don't, it doesn't do anything for us. And well, you'll figure it out someday because you're going to need it, you know? And, um, so that's, that's, I guess one of the big things that I try to tell young coaches is, is work smarter, you know, um, don't make what's un unimportant important, you know, but at the end of the day, you have to have a lifestyle that, that, that has some balance in it, uh, to, sur to survive this thing. Cause otherwise you're going to have, you know, you're going to have all these medals and ribbons and rings. And at the end of the year, you know, at the end of your life, it's like, really, what do they represent? You know, well, hopefully they represent relationships that you've built. And to me, at the end of the day, that's important to me, you know, is the relationships are more important than the championships. And um, I think that's really what has allowed me to, um, to be in the game for a long time and to, to, to have some consistency in my career because my consistency came not only it really didn't come from what I taught um, or how I coached it was really how I treated people you know it was the the cultivating the village that I needed to be successful and taking care of that village taking care of all these people that are a big part of what we do because we don't do it by ourselves no, and I think that is definitely the wisdom that you had later in your career was the same that I realized a lot of those things. One, I didn't know or how to slow down until COVID forced me to, and that really kind of forced me to be present. And I think that shifted a lot of things for me. I think um, as we've documented on this podcast recently in my past season where the kids were really struggling with a lot of things. And I, you know, I was able to let go of the outcomes. And if that meant this, if last season was nothing but just having these a safe space for these kids mm -hmm. to, to be themselves and to, to learn how to work through something difficult, then I was okay with that. And the younger me definitely couldn't have done that. And I was thankful for the opportunity later in my career to be there for those kids because the relationships that I've built with them are the things that last a lifetime, which I can only imagine how many you have as well. And I think the idea about it takes a village. It also like I've really over the last second half of my career really realized the importance of the assistants, the parents that you have that support the program, former players, where truly the program is really all of those people. Right. And I hate the fact personally that my name gets attached to the wins and the record and all the awards and stuff like that, because it truly, it shouldn't just be Madawan softball. That would make me much happier. <laughs> but uh, coach, is there, is there anything else that you can think of that you could tell your younger self that maybe um, would have made it maybe a little bit easier or just maybe the best piece of advice? Well, when I was young, I just did not, I did not appreciate the little things, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, that was it. I mean, I, I, it was, it was all about skill set. It was all about making them better players, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, and I would tell my younger self very simply, 
coach the person, and then the athlete will come out. And I just did not spend enough time. Yeah, I did in recruiting. I mean, I would find out about their families and find out about them. And I, I knew that was a big piece of it because you have to you have to not only recruit good players, but I think you have to re recruit good families. You know, that's part of the quality part. And um, I kind of understood that. But I think as I got older, I realized that, you know what, um, especially when COVID hit and you, you nailed it right on the head, man. COVID just kind of changed my appreciation for just playing the game, just for being together. You know, those are the little things. It, 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 when, when, lose or draw, man, we're out here playing, we're in a uniform, you know, we're doing something we love to do. And um, I wish I could have appreciated the little things much more so. So I, I, I would have, yeah, I was so geared toward, skill set you know i mean it, it was it was kind of awesome because i was a student of the game and i, I wanted to be the best hitting instructor in the world and I, I just i loved that i had a passion for it but then at the end of my career i realized you know what i spent more time just making the person feel good you know finding out more about the person because sometimes you can have the skill set but if if things aren't going your way mentally, physically, and emotionally, as a person, it's hard to play the game. You know, I back in the day, I used to say, you know, men have to play good to feel good. Women have to feel good to play good. And I agree with that. Um, but I truly wasn't doing what I needed to do to make them feel good about themselves. And I really didn't understand. You know, I think as as we've grown over the last 40 years, there's so many things that have come into play that we didn't have to worry about. I mean, life was pretty simple when I grew up. I look at it now and life was really simple. And today life is very difficult. I mean, I I worry about my grandkids and what they're gonna have to deal with and, and um, you know, the choices that they're gonna have to make. The game is becoming smaller <laughs> to me. It really is. You know, it's it, it goes back to why did why do we do what we do? And and for me, I love teaching. I love making people grow and helping people grow. And I loved putting a smile on their face and make them feel good about themselves. I mean, all those things. And unfortunately, when you're in Division One softball at this level, it's yeah, you know, it's the wins and the losses become too big of a factor into what you're doing and so I, I love it when I retired you know when people talked about just the relationship building and 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 how I how I, how I cared about my village you know and to me I think that's you know I'm working with some other programs right now mentoring other coaches and the one thing I see is a lack of people skills and maybe that's just the way they've grown up you know with social media and, and the cell phone and all that we have to actually have conversations and talk to people, but the lack of that and then the lack of understanding of what it takes to be successful over time, it takes a lot of people, you know? So I, I always say that my job really at the end of the day was to build this beautiful boat, which I didn't know how to build a boat, but I guess I did, you know, and, and put the right people in the boat, take care of those people and keep it out of storms, you know? Keep it rowing, going, going in the right direction and keep them out of storms. 
And, you know, that, that pretty much sums up what I did because we, we all have to recruit, you know, we all have to develop players. Um, we all have to build cultures. I mean, everyone does all that. So I think the key is sometimes is, is that village is some people are better at taking care of, of, of the people that you may not think is important, but really is. And I'll give you a good example. The guy that took care of my field every day felt like he was part of my team, right? I made him feel really damn good. And, and I tell you what, I, he would knock down a wall for me. And people, other coaches would say, how do you get them to do all this for you? What's how you treat them? You know, the, the, the janitor that's taking care of your office, you know, emptying the trash, you know, I want to know their name. I want to be able to say thank you. And in the other part of that village in today's game, since we're trying to grow our sport and, and um, you know, we're trying to be significant in the NC2A, and I really believe football is, you know, football is a, is a juggernaut and it, 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 it provides everything that we have, men's basketball. But I think the next sport that is right there could be softball. But we have to find a way that we can make money. And um, I think part of it is how we treat our fans is getting to know your fan base and and build that fan base you know one at a time and over years our sport will be able to i think i think we're making our facilities too small in my eyes because i really believe if you if you know number one tickets are too cheap no one wants to go anywhere where it's free you know there's got to be a, something that you have to invest in so I think we've underestimated our ability as far as that's concerned. We've underestimated our ability to put people in the seats. I mean, when I first started, we had 50 people watching our games. I said, you know, if we build a stadium, we can fill it. And sure enough, we did. And it might, it, at the time it was 1,500, but we filled 1,500. And then we moved it to 3,000 and we can put 3,000 in. Good example is Oklahoma City. I mean, you look at that facility. Right. And my first years there, we I don't know what we drew, maybe a couple thousand. And now you're playing in front of 10,000. So we got to dream big, but but it, I think it takes. Relationship building. And I think that sometimes in a coaching profession, we get so narrow minded, we have blinders on. We only see what's ahead of us and we need people to start looking with a broader scope about what we need to do to build. And so to lead into that, I, I hear still all the time, um, but I need to work on my hitting and my fielding mm -hmm. and this and that. And, and I don't think there's any softball coach that would argue that working on the skills, working on team defense, working on hitting skills are still really, really important. Right. Sure. But you said earlier, it doesn't matter if we aren't mentally and emotionally, um, you know, kept, you know, or or in a positive way, right? So, what do you say to those coaches, and how do you, how do you make sure? Like this is what I always say: the mental game should not be an extra line item on your practice plan, right? So, what do you say to those coaches that still say the hitting and the fielding and the practice is more important? Well, preparation is the name of our game, right? I mean, everyone will agree that the, the more prepared you are, the better you're going to perform. Well, part of that preparation is is 
preparing for things when they go wrong. We play a game of failure. So it's not a matter whether it's going to happen or not. It's going to happen. So how much time do we spend on failure recovery? You know, to me, that's not, that's not a line item. That's that's a necessity, right? Um, the, the, the well-being of your players is a necessity. You know, I mean, you look at today when when I went to Arizona, we had we didn't even have a sports psychologist. Now we have we have a staff of five clinical psychologists that are full. You know, so the mental health piece is real. And we've got to understand that. And so, yeah, I, you know, the, the physical skills are important, but so are the mental skills. And so are the emotional skills. You know, and, and I think that's a pretty easy sale. If anyone is, if anyone's coaching the, the, the whole person, they've got to understand that that's a big part of it. You know, it's like going out and recruiting a kid because they can play the game. They got really good skills, but they're a terrible teammate. All right. They've got lots of baggage. They're not going to help you. And so, that was the one thing, you know, if I look at my pyramid when I first started coaching, the 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 foundation of my pyramid was skill set. I'd go out and find the best kids that could play the game, and then I would hope they would have the rest of these things, the intangibles that you need. Later on, it was complete opposite, man. It was character, because character makes it easier to build all this other stuff. And so I think any coach today that's going to get in this game has to understand that this is real stuff. This is, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not an option. You know, you better make sure that you have the ability to teach and coach the whole person. And I think once you do that, then the athlete can come out. I always said, when the student arrives, the teacher can appear. Hmm. Until you can get the student to arrive, you oh. can't really do much. Right. If you can't build a relationship, you can't do much. You, if you don't have a relationship and you need to have a tough conversation with a kid, it's not going to go well if you don't have a relationship. So everything, I think, starts with that relationship. And then from there, yeah, we all know how to teach the game. And we all understand the team that scores the most runs is going to win. But, you know, how do you how do you maintain this stability in your program over a long period of time. You know, that's a big part of my process, coaching the person. I, I have no more questions. That was a mic drop moment, as we say here at Mental Sweet Spot. So thank you so yeah. much, Coach. Oh, absolutely. Time. Yeah, you can, it's, it's not hard to get me talking. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I always loved talking about the game, and, and the game has changed. Um, the game has not changed. It's still 60 feet and, you know, bat and ball game. But my God, the the um, the dynamics of life has changed the way we have to coach. And we, we need to understand that. And I just think there's some people that are better than others when it comes to understanding that piece. You're doing half of your job if you're if you don't understand all this other stuff. And to me, it made it so much easier. If I if I build a great relationship, I don't have to worry about too much because I can be hard on a kid I, I, as long as I'm fair and firm. And but if I don't have that relationship, man, it's 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 crazy. And the same thing with your culture. 
<laughs> culture is all about relationships, right? You can't hold someone accountable if you don't have a good relationship with them. And that's been the fun part of this game is, is I guess, um, looking back and saying how much you've changed over the years. You know, some of my old players would say, God, you're getting soft, coach. And I go, well, no, I'm not getting soft. Maybe I've, I've gotten smart to realize that the louder I, the louder I yell doesn't mean it's going to get fixed, right? I have also been accused of being getting soft and not being the coach yeah. I used to be. And yeah. I oh yeah, say, well, God, I I hope I'm not. I hope I've changed and evolved and learned as well. Yep, you you you've gotten smarter. You know, you've refined your approach, and it, you become more people oriented than you are coaching. The, I mean, the, the skills of the game, or I look at the skills of the game. I spent way too much time on that. Because if if you can't if you can't capture the person, um, that will take you a lot further in battle than if you don't have that good relationship. So that's been fun, you know. But that's the name of life, you know. Is you you learn every day. And if you stop learning, then when you stop learning, you're in trouble, and you never know who you're going to learn from. So I love listening to people. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter where, what walks of life they come from. It, it's amazing how everything is so um, interchangeable mm -hmm. in what we do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We feel that too. 12U coaches, 18U, college, D1, Power 5. We're all experiencing the same things on different planes. <laughs> so it's cool to see when we all come together for this bigger purpose. And this, is, and this is a great time of the year. You know why? Because people can finally put everything down and enjoy family. Yes. And give thanks. Mm -hmm. So happy holidays to, to everyone. Yes. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. Yes. Thank you so much, Coach. We okay. can't thank you enough for your time today. You it's great to see you again. And thank you again one more time for all that you do for this sport, even, even in your retirement. Oh, it's been an honor. Thank you. And that's a wrap on today's awesome episode. Coach Kendrea didn't know it, but he served up a meatball for us coaches to hit out of the park because the timing is perfect for you to apply for the Impactful Coach Academy. This academy was designed to help you make a bigger impact through training the mental game because you're exactly the kind of coach your girls need. I know you were nodding your head when Coach Kendrea said to coach the person and the athlete will come out. Now, we've taken over a decade of experiences and successes implementing these strategies with teams at all levels, and we've put them into an easy-to-follow five-step process. There's training courses, worksheets, drills, resources, and support to help get you to focus on what's important. But it's only available by application, and our first cohort begins in January. So head to mentalsweetspot.com academy and apply today. If it's closed, don't worry, we got options for you, but head there quickly. All right, thank you for joining us again. Have a great holiday season. We will be taking Christmas off, so we won't have an episode on the 26th, but we'll see you back here in January. Have a happy new year, everyone. Have a good one.